0: is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live
1: on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com.
0: Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton.
1: Seahawks have a new head coach for the first time in 14 years and his name is Mike McDonald. A big change for everybody surrounding the Seahawks within that Seahawks facility and former Seahawks and we get a chance to speak to a man who knows a thing or two about this team. He is Dave Wyman's all-time favorite player for the Seahawks. He's with us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. He is Lofa Tutupu. How are you, man? My
2: guys, I'm excellent. How are you doing?
1: We're we're good. We're we're excited about this. I mean, it was first, first of all, it's been a bit since we've had a chance to talk to you Lofa. So, what was your what was your reaction when when the move with Pete Carroll came down?
2: I mean, I think like everybody, I was uh, I was shocked. Um, and you know, then you you go and you listen to the press conferences and everything and um, you know, we overachieved last year when everybody thought we didn't have a chance and, you know, they were giving us five experts were saying five six win team we go to the playoffs nine and eight but then you go nine and eight again and i don't know i just i felt like maybe the the organization had their their minds made up and and a guys that they were targeting and um you know i thought it might have been quinn um and 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 they landed on mcdonald so i mean um always happy to have a defensive coach. Let's just get that out there,
0: right, Robin? <laughs> there you go, buddy. That's exactly <laughs> right. Um, yeah, and that was the, the, the guy I kind of wanted just because he's, it seemed like there was so much of a buzz around him. And uh, it's kind of a more of a departure, I guess, um, going from, from Pete Carroll to somebody younger. But I, I don't think that stuff matters. I don't think it was because Pete was too old. I just think that it was um, – it was something that you know they were starting to kind of, it was it was sort of stale, Lofa. and it looked to me like, mm-hmm. especially on defense, that they sort of underperformed. Did you see that? And and if so, you know, who are some of the guys you thought maybe maybe um, Mike McDonald can get more out of that we have on this on this roster?
2: Yeah, no, you're right. I just thought, um, you know, not not really even schematically, just the details. The details are everything. In professional football, especially on the defensive side, um, and it just it looked like we kind of lost our way fundamentally. I'm talking day one stuff, uh, even in tackling, you know, leveraging the ball correctly, um, keeping in the cup in terms of you you know uh, where you're on the field perspective and, and attack angles, and just bringing your feet through contact. Just the the little minor things that go a long way and extra yardage after a catch and a run going from a stop of three yards to a gain of seven so uh you watch that baltimore defense and i think that's something that they were extremely good tacklers in space they were aggressive uh they were able to get pressure with just four um now they had some they had some serious dogs over there though Uh, so i know mcdonald gets a lot of the credit because it's the first defense in the modern era to lead the league in points, sacks, and takeaways, which is incredible. Uh, But it'll just be interesting to see, you know, what kind of moves, if he makes, uh, you know, in terms of uh, personnel. And then even Scheme, I I think, you know, he'll probably, you know, stay with what has got him here. And so uh, I think Scheme kind of fits out. But for personnel, I think he'll probably add some pieces.
0: Uh, a
1: little bit of news coming out here. Just a few minutes ago, according to Tom Pellicero, the Seahawks are hiring Leslie Frazier as their assistant head coach. According to sources, the one-time Vikings head coach, Frazier has been a longtime mentor to McDonald. So he's going to have a role on this team. We'll see in what capacity. But uh, we were talking to a few different people just about making that jump, Lofa, from being a, you know a coordinator and then being the person who's in charge of everybody and everything. Thirty-six years old, first time doing it. Uh, what what kind of challenge do you think that is for somebody like McDonald, who obviously is knows defense inside and out, is very adept. But you know, now being the man who runs the whole show, how how big is that?
2: Oh, it's, I think it's a huge adjustment, you know, because um, putting the staff together and, and you know who can you just mentioned Frazier. I mean, that's a quality coach right there, and so um, and I think the first time putting a staff together is the hardest for that's where I think most coaches have a a difficult time but you know McDonald's coached for a while now uh, even though he is only 36 and you know he coached with both Harbaugh's so I'm guessing that the network that they have um, you know that he'll be picking their brains and then you can't hire everybody right and so I think there'll be plenty of quality guys that that they the Harbaugh's would like to have hired that you know they'll be able to point him in the right direction. But I think that's that's the biggest thing, um, especially, you know, on the offensive side, finding someone that, you know, he could trust and, like, almost say, hey, you take care of them. And, you know, I'll, obviously I'll oversee everything, but, you know, I'm going to spend most of my time with the defense and make sure we get that side right.
0: Who are some of the guys on, when you look at his defense, Lofa, and then see, you know, our guys, the guys that we have right now, and, you know, maybe they'll bring in a guy like Patrick Queen, you know, because if you're the D coordinator, yeah. you might want to bring your, your linebacker with you. But um, as far as for, for you know, seeing that scheme and watching what we did last year, I felt like there was lots of times where guys got bogged down. Who were, uh, who were some of the guys you thought underperformed that could really use a, a boost from this defense?
2: Um. You know, I think Jamal and how we use him could, could really see, you know, a career year. And, I mean, he's had some great years uh, when healthy. Um, you know, I think Brooks, he, you mentioned linebackers, um, and he's a free agent, of course. So, you know, some decisions to make there between John and, and Mike. and um, But, yeah, and possibly could add Queen in the mix. Uh, you know, they had a one-two punch over there much like we had, you know, Wags and and Brooks, you know, they had Roquan and and Patty Queen. Uh, But I'm really excited to see the way he uses Witherspoon. Uh, Witherspoon is our best player right now at this point in the game. Um, He's the most consistent performer week in and week out, making plays all over the place in coverage, in the run game. And when you have a guy like that, uh, that kind of talent, it's, you know, you could use him in a – for right of different ways and disguise so many different things because he's so versatile. So uh, I think that's kind of some of the things we saw him do over there with the safeties they had in, in stone and uh, Hamilton and, um, and then some of their guys and then the linebackers are always in the mix. So I'm excited to see how he uses them and, and everything, but I still think we need some pieces, you know, in the trenches, we, we have to have some depth there and even some bigger body types. You saw I think one of their smallest guys over in Baltimore was Matt Abrique, who had like a career year with uh, 11 or 12 sacks from the D tackle position. Um, you know, so that guy's in for a big payday. And he, I mean, in the run game, in the pass game, he was just a monster. And so, um, you know, just getting some more body types like that, that was the lightest guy I think they had at like 305. man
1: mm. yeah. Hey, we, we were talking yesterday, RG three, Robert Griffin the third, sent out a tweet, something along the lines of, you know, Seattle defense is gonna be back to the Legion of Boom days. Like he loved the hire, and it was it was cool to see that enthusiasm. But we were just talking about that that comparison, Lofa, and in the Legion of Boom, you're talking about a, a generational defense. I mean, all the stars aligned with the youth and, and who they had together and four years in a row leading the league and defensive points allowed, and it it feels like an unfair standard. It feels like it's cool to aspire to it, but we haven't seen a defense in the NFL like that since that time. So the idea that we're going to match that or anybody expects them to come close to that almost seems unfair, doesn't it?
2: It's tough. I mean, they set the bar very high. Um, You know, I got to play with Earl and uh, and Cam, their rookie year, and you could just see it. It was just a different type of beast. I mean, Earl went not just – red line to red line you know they paint these red lines for like the fade routes and for spacing out on the the field for these receivers to kind of you know give the quarterback and receiver a target to kind of go for the deep ball Earl went from sideline to sideline on the back half and it it, he probably even could have extended out of bounds a couple couple yards that's how crazy his range was Cam was six three and a half six four 235 pound safety that could run and obviously could hit uh, so you you pair them up and then you had outside uh, you know to start was browner, who was like six three six four and sheriff sure, six four so it's um you know you're just talking about different body types that are very rare in the the history of the sport. never mind them all being together for four or five years and so and then of course they had um you know Walt Thurman they had um uh, Jeremy Lane, they had all these guys that Maxwell, I mean, the list goes on. So it truly was a legion. It wasn't just the starters. I mean, they did start that no pun intended, but they, they had it, you know, depth for, you could go to two or three deep and still be good with those guys. That's how crazy it was. So that's a, it's a stretch to say the least, you know, to get back to that. I don't know if we'll ever see that again. Um, but the way, you know, Marlon Humphrey and, and the the guys, like I said, Stone, Hamilton, um, they were playing over there in Baltimore. And it all goes hand in hand, you know, because when the Legion was here, you still had Bobby in the middle, KJ, Malcolm, all these guys, Bruce Irvin. And then up front, you have one of the, I want to say, most underrated defensive line I've ever seen because uh, the Legion obviously got a lot of credit, as they should. But, um, you know, Mebe, McDonald, uh, Michael Bennett, Mike, Mike Bennett and Cliff Averill were backing up Clemens and Red Bryant. So mm. two pro bowlers weren't even on the field to start the game at that time back in 2013. That's how deep that that entire team was. So it was one of the greatest collections of talent I've ever seen and I think we'll ever see in, in football.
0: Well, I love that answer, Lofa, because also I, I do think everybody talks about, uh, you know, the defensive scheme and everything. It was pretty simple, right? I mean, they they pretty much knew they were going to run cover one, cover three. That was pretty much it, right? I mean, they could basically tell the their opponents what they were going to run.
2: It was. I'm glad you pointed that out because I brought it up all the time. Even when I, I helped out this last off season, and you know, we were talking about scheme and everything. Me and Pete, and uh, we were talking about another team, and he just said, "It can't be that simple, is I go, Coach, we ran cover three and cover one and when we wanted to get crazy we ran cover two in the red zone but other than that <laughs> it doesn't get any simpler than that and what you do there's beauty and simplicity
0: yeah.
2: everybody knows what to do but more importantly what can hurt them and when you have that many reps in the off season and the regular season because we're talking a decade of doing that it's, they have to play a perfect game on offense no turnovers, all these little things they have to get as many yards after the catch as they can which it just wasn't happening. It's not there to be had when you know everything and it always went back to you know Coach Wooden, who Pete Carroll always referenced um you know reading his book, and it always came back to what we do and I think just somewhere along the line it, it the lines got blurred and and it just um kind of went to, oh, well, what's the new hot scheme out there, and then things like that but um yeah, I brought it. That's funny you say that, Dave, because I brought it back up to Piazza. We ran cover three for a decade. and couldn't anybody touch us, man. <laughs>
1: it hey, look crazy. Lofa, we were talking about this defense and just looking at numbers, where they ranked in different categories, whether it's points allowed, passing yards allowed, rushing yards allowed. You can go through all the different categories you want. And they were... Towards the bottom in most of them, 28, 29, 30, 31. I mean, it just wasn't good. Uh, what, what do you think a realistic expectation is for, you know, we we got a coach that you look at as this defensive mind, and we saw what he did with the Ravens. Uh, what's a fair expectation in terms of turning this defense around? I was saying to Dave that I thought if he could get them, you know, from where they are currently, bottom of the league to 15th, 14th in most of those categories, that that represents a, a huge, huge jump. And he thought maybe even top ten. I don't. What, what, what's realistic to you?
2: You know that that's a tough question. It's a great question. Um, realistically, yeah, you'd like to make the jump at least to you know top half. You know, if you were that far in, in a lot of those stats, you want to be at least at 15, 16, somewhere in that range. Um, as a uh, that's a huge improvement. I mean, this is it's tough. NFL is tough, man. But um, for someone that led a team to the number one ranking and something that nobody's ever done. I think top 10 is very realistic, you know, with, uh, with who we have and then who him and John will add in the off season or resign uh, after they do a thorough evaluation of everybody's season. Cause I think that's, you know, Mike's got to get familiar with what does he have and, uh, you know, and from there he goes and talks to John and they make a decision on, on how they go about it. And so uh, I think, i I'm agree with uh Wyman. I think top ten is very realistic with um with everything that he's been around um, and what he's done you know on his track record
0: hey so lofa put it kind of in in layman's terms um for those of us that don't know football. Um, <laughs> wait, sorry. Uh, that's it's a reference to something stupid that happened here. Um, anyway, uh, but no, what, what you see from that defense, like just how aggressive they are. And, you know, the, the one thing that stands out to me loaf is that it seems like everybody knows their job so well that it frees them up to play fast and that's those were the coaches i always loved that if they had something that made sense i wasn't bogged down with too many rules or exceptions or anything like that is that what you see from that defense or is there something a a little bit more that that you noticed in baltimore yes
2: Oh yeah, no. I mean, they they got some great pieces too the puzzle now. Uh, you know, you got you know two All-Pro linebackers in the middle. Um, you, you got a bunch of guys that were kind of you know disregarded that were All-Stars just a couple of years ago. And, and Van Vanoy and then Clowney. Yeah. Um, you know, like I, I think a lot of people forget how awesome those guys are. All right. Um, and then, you know, yeah, so they had, they had pieces all over the place. But um, there it, it was a clear understanding of everybody knowing what to do and what the job was. The down and distance, the situation, where you're at on the field, I I, I don't know if any other – just off the numbers alone shows that they knew what they were doing and, and how they would be getting attacked from the offense. And I think that's such a huge advantage because now you're – you should never be thinking about what you have to do. That's, that's, that's right. We made a big mistake. If you're sitting there thinking about your job responsibility, it should be so easy. And in sync that, okay. And I know where my help is in case I don't make the tackle for loss. Right. Right. But, and I think that, that was the biggest thing that jumped out to me. They had so many, they still had missed tackles, not a ton, but they had a lot of disruptive misses where a guy was in the backfield free uh, and he missed the tackle, but he made the running back, you know, cut or or make a, a move. And now all of a sudden, the next guy's there to fill the gap, and it's a one-yard gain at the worst. So, it's um, it was very aggressive, you know, get after you, and they could do it with just four. Not always setting pressure, they would show like an all-out blitz look, and then drop into max coverage. It was they gave you a lot to think about on offense, and if you can get the offense thinking, that's when you know it's the balls of your court, and you know what you're doing. So, and I think that was the biggest thing was the swarming style of defense if one guy did miss a tackle, there was three or four yeah. laying the guy out, the ball carrier out. And I mean, it was a big hit over and over.
0: Well, and from some of the D linemen, like, out by the the sidelines uh, practically, I mean, they were just flying yep. around. And I, the, the the way I've kind of described last year watching our defense was that it was a bunch of guys sort of jogging around with a question mark above their heads. Like, they don't, <laughs> they don't really know exactly what to do. And I just remember being that way, you know, and Mm. If there was too much, it would bog me down. I wouldn't be able to play full speed. And what you see from um, what you see from the the Ravens, it just seems like it, it sounds like it's somewhat complicated. Some of the things that Mike McDonald says, but he puts it in a way that's that's pretty easy. He talks about layering in, you know, installing it. And he said these are some concepts that we can master, and then we'll layer right. in the next level. And that that just got me got me really fired up. And that that just seemed like that was the. You know, and I, I think what we're talking to you today, the thing that you're emphasizing, Lofa, which I think is really important that everybody gets away from, is the players, right? I mean, you're talking mm-hmm. about the Legion of Boom. It wasn't about the scheme. Same thing, you oh. know, with uh, with Baltimore. You know, it's not necessarily just the scheme. It's, it's the players, but I think it's the coaches that instill that in those players and make it easy for them to play.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I— I could have ran any coverage I wanted with the Legion of Boom. All you got to do is teach them the coverage and simplify it. And like, then you just sit back and enjoy the show because it's, it's going to be a show. It doesn't it didn't matter if it was cover two. Everybody said, oh, cover two is dead. No. Nah. Uh, if you get someone that has the personality to run it right then, and teaches them the intricacies of it, like when you're a curl dropper, what you should be looking for, the triggers, uh, you know, when, when uh, something comes underneath you, or the shallow comes underneath, the dagger's right behind you, all you got to do is back up. When you know that stuff, like the back of your hand, the game is so easy. And yeah. now you just got to let it loose. And, um, and that's what we did forever. And so, you know, I'd like to see us, you know, just master the concepts like you're talking about. Because when it gets to that level, it becomes something like a legion of boom. That's how special, you know, um, that's how it comes out.
1: Hey Lofa before we let you get out of here, did you have a favorite before this decision was made of all the candidates you know they they had a chance to speak with? Were you leaning towards one or the other feeling like you know, I don't know, Dan Quinn's gonna be a better fit or Ben Johnson would be the best fit? What was your uh, preference? Uh,
2: when I watched John talk, he just kept bringing up culture and what was built already, the foundation. And it led me to, he was throwing me off his scent like he always does. (laughs) It led me to believe it was Dan Quinn. And, uh, you know, but no, I don't think there was a wrong hire. And I, you know, I think John took his time when, you know, maybe some other organizations might've just, Oh my God, someone just got picked, you know, the pool's getting smaller. John knew what he wanted and and what he was doing the whole time. And so I think he got the guy that he wanted. And um, I think the guy that can can lead us for, for many years uh, to come. So, uh, but, yeah, I thought it was going to be Quinn when he kept talking about culture because Quinn was here at the start when, when this, this foundation was built and uh, and put down. So that's who I, I thought it really was going to be.
0: Hey, Lofa, tell us uh, what, what's going on with you right now. You, you're doing podcasts. You got uh, you got your zone in thing. Tell us what you're up to, man.
2: I got – yeah, doing a lot, man. I got – but I do – if I'm going to give a shout-out, my shout-out's going to go to my boys in Gig Harbor – and when I say boys, I'm not talking about, like, a seventh grade or a youth team that I coach. These are grown-ass men that listen to you guys every day. <laughs> so, Packy, Nick, Noah, Bo, uh, Ryan, and Ben, shout-out to the Gig Harbor guys. Um, they love your show, fellas. Oh, man,
0: it's you're cool. bringing us listeners man, and everything. We love knowledge. them right back.
1: Yeah.
2: they remind they, they reminded me I was coming on the show because you know, as an old football player <laughs> you tend to forget
1: <laughs> <laughs> well we appreciate them keeping you on schedule man tell them uh, or if they're listening we appreciate each and every one of them and we appreciate you as as you cut out time for us uh, all of the time loafam we appreciate it man thanks so much. All right, fellas. Take care. You're the man, Lofa. Thanks, buddy. There you go. The great Lofa Tutupu. Always good to talk to him and, and talk to his friends out there, the boys in Gig Harbor, as boys he calls Gig Harbor. them. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome We're, to the show. Appreciate all those guys. All right, coming up, where will we see improvements from the Seahawks under Mike McDonald? We're going to roll the tape. Coming up with Wyman and Bob, this is Seattle Sports on 710.
2: Let's roll the tape.
1: Your in-depth breakdown of the Seahawks from former linebacker Dave Wyman. Time to roll the tape here with Wyman and Bob. A quick thank you once again to Lofa Tatupu who joined us in the previous segment. In case you guys missed that, it will be on the podcast page after the show at seattlesports.com. All right. Dave, culture was a big word. We heard that before this hire was made. They wanted to maintain the culture there at the seahawks facility how will the seahawks culture help mike
0: mcdonald well i think first of all it's it's a very humble culture is what it is and you know that comes from john schneider and and i look pete has done all kinds of of great things and i'm not saying he didn't contribute on in this regard but this is kind of what john is all about you know what really encapsulated it for me was when there was that that video on on Twitter where he was Mike McDonald and his wife Stephanie were walking in the front door. Right. John Schneider was just the guy in the hoodie that opened the door for him and has him go in. Yeah, and I think that's that's really what it's all about. And I think that'll really help Mike McDonald that everybody there is very humble and it's everything. Remember, I used to say this about, uh, remember when Jill was at the front desk? Oh, yeah. Now it's Bailey, mm-hmm. but Jill was at the front desk and then Bill Nays, who's a security guy for them, you walk in and it all starts right there. Yeah. Two of the nicest people in the world. And you, you gave, gave us a ride in the golf cart. Yeah. I mean, and just <laughs> welcoming and, you know, hey, how are you doing? I mean, and it's like that throughout the entire building. And so that's why the whole building was down. Down there and I think a lot of that and I hear from so many people talking about how what a down-to-earth guy that John Schneider is mm-hmm. and he is I mean this guy's pretty powerful in the NFL right And he's very unassuming and I think he's very aware of like what are his weaknesses what are his strengths and I think that's exactly what Mike McDonald needed so you know it was kind of interesting and I don't really read anything into this or think that it, it's significant but somebody during the, the press conference asked him about Pete Carroll, and he just said, you know, the the truth. He goes, I, I never met Pete Carroll. Mike McDonald. Now I don't think I don't think that means anything, and I don't think it has anything to do taking away from what Pete did. He did a fantastic job, and all that. I just think that whenever we talk about culture, we do rightfully talk talk about Pete. Mm-hmm. It's rightfully so. But I, I do think that. The, the big part of it is the guy that hired him is John Schneider, and that's kind of his philosophy. And so I think the fact that, you know, that he has that going for him, there's going to be a lot less pressure on him because, you know, think about it. This is pretty, you know, we talk about how Alabama fans are demanding and how Kalen DeBoer, if they lose a couple games down there, they might be calling for his head. That'd be a shame yeah Seahawk fans are pretty demanding. This is a pretty tough tough place to play the geographic isolation mm-hmm. you know and and I feel like um, yeah this will this will kind of kind of help him and I, I think the culture that down there is everybody wants to help one another out and like I said it's about humility and respect for the game and I think that's really going to help McDonald. And he
1: talked talked about his plan to blend in his ideas of the Seahawks culture. What's that? Did you wanna hear his Yeah, yeah. His thought there? Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I
3: was There's a great colour there. And so I don't think you fix what's not broken. So I'm I'm interested to hear more from the players and the people in the building as we get moving. But our culture is built on respect and we want to stay cutting edge. And like we're using the term around here called chasing edges. So there's going to be a sense of urgency what we're doing. We're going to work extremely hard. We're going to be relentless in the pursuit of it. One thing you learned about me is like, I'm going to be relentless. And there's different ways that that'll manifest itself. But it's going to be a positive environment. We want people to be excited to come to work. And we want to be a positive influence on the community as well. So I'm interested to learn more about what that looked like and the stuff that, you know, we want to move with, we'll, we'll move forward with it. And we'll, we'll tweak some things along the way.
1: Chasing edges. Kind of like that. I like that,
0: too. Um, going to be cutting edge We're chasing edges. Chasing the edges. And also, he's saying a lot of the we, like he's already, he probably feels like he's been here for like two months now. Yeah. <laughs> All the things he's having to go through.
1: So what did you learn from him about his defensive philosophy?
0: It, it sounds to me like what what he said is we're going to install some things that, that our defensive players are going to be able to master. He used that word. And I was like, yeah, that – that really that really sounds like it's something that's going to be very simple that's drilled into your head over and over and over and then he talked about layering it and so what he's talking about is putting different little wrinkles in there as you go along so i'll be very i'll be very curious to see how easy it is to pick this defense. I don't want to say easy, but how I I feel like what you see on the field looks very complicated. Mm -hmm. And his job is to make it not complicated for the players. And that's what Lofa was just talking about. You know, you listen to the Legion of Boom. Now I don't, do we have Earl Thomas and Richard Sherman, um, we got we got a couple of caliber guys of that caliber, you know. If you look at at um, to me, Jordan Brooks. I think Julian Love. You look at um, I think Reek Woolen can be that guy.
1: Certainly Witherspoon.
0: But Witherspoon for sure, best player probably on the entire team. So uh, you yeah, know, I, I feel like you know that those guys are going to be able to just cut it loose and be able to to play at the at full speed. And meanwhile, he's got like a pretty like you said, a pretty cutting edge defense, and I think that's that's really going to help these guys, and I, I can't wait to see which guys really shine. One guy I'll really be curious about is Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. I, I was so impressed by him, his rookie year, and he just, I know he was injured, but that one was, was very strange to me. Um, you could probably say Rick Wallen too, obviously, because yeah. he went with the sophomore slump there, but I think I think those are a couple of the names of uh, guys that they, he could really help.
3: And here he is talking about what they want to achieve with their defense you're always trying to dictate terms as best as you can to the offense and that's easier said than done because the offense is trying to do the same thing to you so there's a little bit of a back and forth to that and i think one of the principles of the organizations i sat in baltimore is we want to be aggressive and we want to be pushing the envelope and so how do you do that while having being smart with the resources that you're allocating you know you want to have maximal return for minimal investment it's easy to blitz zero every snap if you want and you can apply pressure that way but you can also do it mentally and by how you play and the things you're presenting to the offense because they got a lot of stuff going on over there too and obviously those guys are pros and there's a lot of great coaches out there but if you can apply pressure over games you know that's that's hard to, to do consistently for 60 minutes
1: I like that. yeah i'm excited to see what he does with the defense but then turning our attention to the offense uh how do you see Gino fitting in with Mike McDonald, the veteran quarterback, first time head coach.
0: I think one of the best things that that could possibly happen if the the first meeting that Gino sits in a room with Mike McDonald and says, how did you do that to me? (laughs) Because when they went out there and that was one where I know a lot of people were on Gino. I didn't I know Pete didn't feel like it was Gino's. I mean, he could have obviously played better, but there was a lot of things that they did to him that really kept him you know sort of off balance and i feel like that that's something that will will help him a little bit and the other thing i like hearing from mcdonald's he, he likes gino yeah you know and that's that's half the battle i mean you get your your quarterback and the guy that you believe in now somebody talked about this and I, maybe it was son of augustafson but he was saying that mcdonald mentioned drew lock a number of times as well oh and, did he yeah so i i don't I know heard that Yeah, I mean, you like your quarterback and your backup quarterback. That's a pretty good place to be. Uh, Even though Drew's a free agent, technically not your backup right now. Right, but, I mean, you could probably get him to sign here pretty easily. What did he make last year? Was it four or five? I think it was four, something like that. Yeah, I
1: have to go back and look. But, yeah, he's – I don't know. I'd I'd be curious because he he didn't get a ton of opportunity. Obviously, Geno got dinged up. He played a bit. Was that enough to get another team interested to – yeah. go after him at all?
0: Good question. Uh, not a great question. Uh, but I think <laughs> that, you know, look, he made $4 million this year. You could probably get him, pay him another million or two to stick around here unless somebody really is hot on him and thinks what they saw was, was something that they, they want to work with. But yeah, I, I feel like Gino is is probably coming in and we've been pretty harsh on Gino. And it's funny to see how other people talk about their quarterbacks when we have a much higher rated quarterback quarter he's you know kind of middle of the road but he's a good player the year before he had a really good year and we've sort of washed all that away and you know i think i think for uh for geno it's really going to be nice having mike mcdonald come in with fresh eyes and then kind of help him a little bit about you know what defenses are looking at i think that would be a tremendous resource for geno smith
1: yeah and it it would be good if he said listen here, here are the tendencies we saw with you, and here's what we did. Yeah. I mean, if they saw something like that, that could go a long way in improving Gino even more. All right, coming up. There you go. We, we do that uh, throughout the week. Roll the tape. Good stuff there, uh, breaking things down. Meanwhile, we've got uh, two of the strangest press conference moments you're probably ever going to hear. That's in our Man of the week. It's coming your way next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.
0: Why, man? Why? Lunch has been canceled today due to lack of hustle. Deal with it. This is a habitual line-stepper. What were you thinking? What are you doing? Why are you the way that you are? It's the
1: Why, man, of the week. Why, man, is presented by Mazda of Everett. A reminder, coming up at 4 o'clock, Big Ray Roberts will join us on the program, so make sure you stay tuned for that. Love talking to Ray. So we'll get into some uh, details with his old line his his level of optimism, pessimism. We'll get into all of that. Uh, meanwhile, I was going through some of the old texts, Dave, earlier in the show, and somebody asked, what the bleep is a matchbook? There's some make matchbooks, don't they? I mean, I'm not a smoker, but I feel like I've been with smokers who buy a pack of cigarettes at 7-Eleven or a.m. p.m. and they they get handed a matchbook. So it's a book of matches. <laughs> I assume that's sarcasm.
0: Yeah, that, well, it's not like... Uh... Like a phone booth. Yeah, I mean, like we talk about phone booth. <laughs> Chuck Knox used to talk about or phone a phone booth book. Stuff. Do they still make the yellow
1: pages? Are those still around? I don't know. Didn't those they used to show up on your doorstep so. like once a year. Or something. Right. I haven't seen those in years. But anyway, yeah, matchbooks. I don't. I don't think are. An outdated concept, but no.
0: Anyway. They're just trying to make us feel old.
1: Yeah. 866-979-3776, powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. That is a reminder that we do have mean text coming up at 545 today. Uh so you still have time to get creative. Meanwhile, a couple of uh, interesting interesting mans this week. Uh this <laughs> this is funny stuff. I didn't I I had no idea that first of all, Michael Buble is is Canadian. I yeah, he's a that. big hockey fan. Okay, he's a big hockey yep. fan. I did. I'm aware of who he is. He's kind of does a lot of Sinatra type, type stuff and all that. But um, he was he's at the NHL All Star festivities and he was doing a press conference, and apparently he was under the uh, under the influence of something that he shared with the with the audience there.
4: The answer is no. I will not be the oldest draft pick. The Vancouver Canucks I've ever taken at 48 years old. I know you and you. You're a really good hockey You got good hands, dude. Yours got silky mitts, my brother. You are the first person who's ever told me that. Because I'm the first real ever hockey fan. My buddy told me, this is just a microdose of mushrooms. And he was lying. (laughs) So I'll be honest. I thought I was in blades of glory for most of the time that I was out there. Until it sort of settled down. And then I realized, holy I am at the NHL All-Star Game. It's we good. literally are the heart and soul of these teams. And uh, if they win, it'll be because of us. And if they lose, it will be because of us. All of my my texts, it was people, congratulations. Congratulations on being chosen to go to the All-Star Game. And I was like, congratulations. I'm a, I'm a superstar. Thanks, guys. Thank you.
1: Just going a stream of consciousness up
0: there, man. <laughs> sounded like different people talking at, at one point.
1: Well, one person who said, "Thank you." The, you're the first person that's ever said that. I guess was a reporter or a player. Or yeah, a yeah, it was a press conference. So, yeah, so but but they kind
3: of spliced together his answers. But you, you did hear yeah. one
1: other voice. But all of the the rest of it was Michael Bublé, who was clearly yeah. uh, tripping on mushrooms, and it sound
3: <laughs> he sounded like
0: a different person. At, which I know that they can have that effect
1: uh, oh that is funny that's what he said it was a microdose he was lying <laughs> 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 it seems a bad idea to hold a press conference in the, in an altered state but all right good for him that's kind of funny <laughs> accent much thicker i don't know that i've ever heard him speak i've heard him sing but he's gonna he's got that thick canadian accent going there but uh all right hopefully he's come back down to reality and i'm wondering if he's going back and watching that going oh my god what did i do
0: You know, with that beard there, does he look a little bit like Schneider? Maybe Michael Bublé. I'd have to look at it again. Look at that video again. Maybe just a little bit.
1: Uh, So there's uh, there's Michael Bublé tripping on mushrooms at the NHL All Star uh, festivities. Meanwhile, we brought up Jim Harbaugh earlier, and uh, I haven't I haven't heard this cut, but (laughs) this is from his introductory press conference. Well, you heard it. Dave read it, but yeah. Oh, Dave read it. I haven't, I haven't heard it, but it's labeled so Dave. sensitive. It is. <laughs> it's labeled. Jim Harbaugh literally wants to live in a van down by the river.
4: My favorite show growing up is the Rockford Files. It's still my favorite show. <laughs> uh, Ted Lasso is now tied the Rockford Files, but uh, you know that's that was me as a kid. I mean, it's all you know, driving that uh, Camaro around uh, L.A. and car chases, and you know got a uh, as <laughs> the has the, um, has the uh, you know down there by the beach got the trailer down there at the beach I mean I mean I got a. I I told my wife this make should I tell him yes yes okay so uh, I want to I want to drive my RV out I want to drive my RV out and uh, and 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 Go to a trailer park, uh, you know, like down by the water or uh, by Disneyland. There'll be two that I've researched that are close to the facility. And uh, I want to Jim Rockford it for the, uh, <laughs> for the, for the next uh, couple months until we move to the new facility.
1: <laughs> it's it's down by the... Uh, the uh, Nobody yelled the out, river.
4: He's uh... <laughs> <laughs> so awkward.
1: And then we asked earlier what Jim Rockford it meant. And then we got a ton of text. Apparently, there are a lot of Rockford Files fans. No kidding. I I didn't know what that meant. And everybody explaining, apparently, that character in the show lived in a trailer on the beach, according to our text. I'm I'm aware of the character in the show. I've heard of it a million times. I don't know that I've ever actually seen it, but I I know who James Garner is. I don't remember that.
0: I remember watching Rockford Files, but the only time I remember a trailer being down on the beach was Lethal Weapon. That um, I remember, Mel Gibson yeah, that, lived down there. That I certainly I remember. His character was but yeah. this one. I don't.
1: I'll try. There, there were a number of texts that said it's so all. I'll trust that that's accurate. But he was a cop, right? In that show,
0: yeah, he's like a private investigator. I think. Okay, what's this say about our uh, our audience here? They know what matchbooks are, and they know who Jim Rockford was, and where they're old. He lived. <laughs> <laughs> our audience is old i don't know we love you yeah young old we love all
1: of yeah. you especially our, our the boys in gig harbor we love them too yes uh but yeah i don't i uh it was amazing how many people chimed in on the rockford files
0: yeah <laughs>
1: i'm gonna jim rockford it
0: <laughs> but no he he is so awkward uh, yeah. to listen to i mean it i don't know it's very rare that cuz I kind of embrace awkwardness. My wife can't stand it. That's why she never she, she won't watch the office. She doesn't like the office. Yeah, just because she Is that it. why she never listens to our show? Uh, oh. Yeah. Look at probably. That. Well, no, that's other reasons. <laughs> no interest whatsoever. No, I'm kidding. Uh yeah, I it, it's with him you just like kind of like, "Oh, please let it end." It's I don't know. Maybe maybe people uh, think that's funny, do I, you think?
1: I think he's kind of funny. I mean, because it is so awkward. You're like he's going down on the uh, the, uh, and you're like, "Where's he going? Where's he going to go? Where's
0: this? <laughs> what turn is this going to take, man?" I, I guess I think in my mind, I know exactly where where he is right now because I I feel like that on the show every once in a while. Yeah, where you lose your chain train of thought, and you're like. Mm. Oh, oh wait, where was I? I think you got it.
1: I think graz did Painful. it the best. Graz would just talk and talk, hoping as he'd find his point, and then eventually he'd tap out and go, "I lost my train of thought." I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> be, well, of course, that's uh, really what we're all talking about here, right? Is the uh, A bunch you know, of general you got statements? To, um, yeah, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> 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 it was just, finally, just give up. But uh, yeah, amazing how many people uh, checked in with. Jim Rockford lived in a trailer on the beach or an RV on the beach. And so a lot of fans of that show. So there, there you go. go.
0: 206. Dave, you are old, way old enough to have watched it. I'm 53 and watched The Rockford Files with my mom daily as a child and loved it. Yeah, And yes, I, he did live in an RV on the beach. Huh?
1: <laughs> yeah. that's To me, that's not even about because most of these shows are in reruns. So it's not even about age so much as just one of those shows I never watched. Sort of like Law & Order. I've never seen an episode of Law & Order. Mm. Not one. Or any of the, you know, spin offs of all these other yes, you SUV, SVU, whatever <laughs> whatever those shows are. I haven't watched any of those yeah. shows, so that's that's not even an age thing. There's some shows you don't see, but I do know James Garner, and I do I'm aware of that show, yeah. just not aware he was living in an RV. So there we go. He's going to Jim Rockford it for a while. Uh, coming up, we we've, we've got so awkward questions <laughs> about the uh, the uh, the uh, yeah in honor of Jim. We've got questions about the Seahawks O line and uh, what he thinks about the McDonald hiring. Ray Roberts will weigh in on all of it next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.